Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the From the Pack East podcast. I'm Jerry Liu, and filling in for ZP is Tuckerdale Booth. Oh. No Kenny Loggins today, Jerry. Just Steve Winwood for me, thanks. Right, a fantastic week to you all, kids. Little traffic to get us fired up, Jerry. No rules when the boss is away, you know what I'm saying? Hey, fair is fair. I like uh, random music is the best music. So, uh, how's your week been, Tucker? My week's been really exciting, man. A lot of good stuff going on. Getting ready to go on the last family vacay of the summer. We're going to Lake Powell in Arizona on a boat trip starting tomorrow for about a five-day span there. But uh, a lot of good stuff, man. A lot of good stuff. Very exciting. A lot of good work. Good golf watching. The whole nine. You, uh, you ever been to Lake Powell? Yeah, it's actually a yearly family tradition that we have. My brother-in-law owns a timeshare on a houseboat. So every year for the last 25 years, he has taken his close family and friends on this trip. And, you know, it's like they bring other boats, jet skis. Paddle boards, wake boards, water boards, all the boards, man. We got them all there. It's all very exciting, very exciting. Well, when I, I lived in uh, Colorado for four or five years, and our favorite summer place to go out of state was Lake Powell. That, that seemed to be the general consensus. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like you had a whole flotilla set up there, and uh, making it a yearly tradition makes it uh, even better. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm married into the tradition, but I've been going pretty solid for the last decade. And, you know, I'm one of these guys, I love going and just laying around and sunbathing and reading books and sleeping and stuff on vacations. But my brother-in-law is this 50-year-old dynamo that's all about the action sports. I mean, he does not only wakeboarding, but you know what the air chair is, Jerry? You ever heard of that? Oh, God. Uh, I I think when I worked tech support at Foresight, we had an Asian, like a Chinese uh, bidet, which I know the French word, and then it might have been called the air chair. But <laughs> talking about the same thing. No, this is like a wakeboard with an anchor attached to the bottom of it that literally catches big air. It's like it bobs and then you can pull it out of the water, except there's a humongous anchor attached to the bottom of this wakeboard, and you're essentially going. You know, like just in in feet bindings, and you know, you're oh. it's it's like a ski meets a wakeboard with an anchor on the bottom. Man, it is it is a gnarly looking thing. This thing could lop a head off if you landed wrong. I'm sure. I see what you're saying. I guess I'm probably gonna have to like Google it or YouTube it uh, when we uh, get off the pod here, just because um, I'm like, oh yeah, wakeboard with an anchor. Well, and also the fly dive. Do you know what a fly dive is? You ever heard of that? Oh, no. No, I have not. Fly dives, you've probably seen them on TV. Listeners, I'm sure you've seen those commercials. It's like hooked up to a jet ski, and you, you get into foot bindings, and the jet ski revs the engine, and it shoots you through jets up into the air, and you can learn to balance and skywalk oh. in the air and do all kinds of loop-de-loops and tricks on these things. Do we do that, too? Yeah. I've seen I've seen those before down in San Diego, and I didn't know what the proper name was. I think me and my friends called like a water jet pack or something like that. Yeah, if you're on Twitter, just type in Fly Dive. That's the name of the product. All kinds of videos of people doing amazing stunts. I'm obviously not Cirque du Soleil on these things, but 
I have learned how to stay up about 10 to 15 feet in the air and turn in both directions without losing my balance. And it is quite impressive. Obviously, I had to take a few clobbers to the dome to figure it out. But uh, I'm there now, man. I can, I can actually keep the fly dive up in the sky. Sounds good. Well, uh, well, let's bring it back to golf here. Uh, while Zach's gone, uh, we got a few things that we want to chat about golf-wise. Uh, where do you want to get started? Well, I guess we got to recap the FedEx St. Jude, the World Golf Championship, right? I mean, that was kind of the talk of the week. I would say, besides Sergio Garcia taking divots out of the ground at the WGC, the big story was Brooks Kepka knocking out McElroy in the final group, right? Well, I'd say so. I mean, there's there's so many stories that can be derived from this. I mean, first and foremost, uh, like I I didn't realize that liking Kepka is such a polarizing or Brooks Kepka is such a polarizing figure. I mean, I thought like like me liking Dustin Johnson. And everyone's saying hey, he has lack of emotion is a bad thing. I'm like, okay, well, if that's the worst we get, or like we like kind of have some ire for Patrick Reed, sure. But like, I'm starting to see some real like people not liking Brooks Kepka's attitude, and I'm that kind of baffles me. It really, really does. Like, it may, maybe he's being kind of a bully, so to speak. But as I was tweeting with John, our LPGA writer, he uh, Cherifinsky, I think is how you pronounce the last name. I apologize if I didn't get it right, John, but. He, he had this thing where he said, where, who, well, he answered for golf.com's question, who would you rather have, McElroy or Kepka in terms of a career? And he said, McElroy, and I just said, explain yourself. And he did. But, I mean, I've kind of adopted Brooks Kepka's mentality to golf, and it has really paid huge dividends for my game. And it's kind of one of those, like, lead, follower, get out of the way type things. I mean, Brooks is, like, shoving people out of the way. I mean, that's, that's, that's why I, I don't understand why people don't like him. I think it's kind of this jock air of swagger that he's got about him like this is the guy in high school that was part of the cool football guy crew this wasn't some well i mean granted but i mean this is the guy and also don't forget rory mcelroy is a fairly tiny little guy I, I hate to say it like that, but I mean, compared to me, I stand 6'2", 220. McElroy is probably, what, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, at the tallest? Weighs 150, I, I 160, still, soaking I, wet? 5'9", yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a short, slight-of-frame guy. Brooks is this big beefcake, Popeye meets Arnold Palmer-looking dude. And he's got James Brolin's good looks. He looks like Josh Brolin out there playing golf. I, I really feel like it's kind of that with this air of swagger that he carries that bothers people. It, it, and in a way, it's kind of the Tiger Woods effect, if you will. It's this sense of he, he has the chin up. He acts like he's just too cool for everybody else. You can tell that he obviously thinks he's pretty awesome. And granted, he is. So people are jealous of not only the attitude, but also the results. I mean, he's, he's closing all the time in the big ones now. But I don't know. I mean, to the question about John, whose career would you rather have? I think it's kind of early to debate Brooks compared to Rory. Rory's been out there a decade. Granted, Rory's had lots of success on the European Tour. He's won more regular PGA Tour events than Brooks. And they both have four majors. So, I mean, I I think time will tell if Brooks has a a more prestigious record at the end of his run. But right now, what, seven titles, four of them are majors? I have to say, as far as just record in this early part of his career, that's surely impressive. I mean, I doubt McElroy had four majors out of his first seven wins, right? Correct. I mean, when it comes to career, 
career versus career. I mean, that's, I think that, if I recall, that's what Golf.com was asking on Twitter. But uh, John mentioned in two separate tweets, he was more so uh, reflecting on he doesn't like Brooks' attitude and he likes Rory's. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Rory's attitude. I, other than not winning enough, I can't find anything to bitch about Rory McIlroy. He's probably in my current top five, and he will be for a very long time. I mean, he's, he's amazing. He's got an incredible swing. Just everything about his game is, is wonderful. Uh, whether you want to come, you know who can't close? Everybody who doesn't win every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. He's been, at, and I think somebody else said, by all like money and statistical accounts, Rory McIlroy is having an out of this world year this year. I mean, he just has been taking. He's been in the final group a lot, and when he's not winning, he's just not falling apart necessarily. It's just it's hard to rise. Uh, if you're not TW, it's hard to rise the occasion every time. If you're in the occasion, I mean it's. It's so difficult. These guys like fighter pilots, and they're being told this might be your last mission every time you go up. I mean, well, and how how hilarious that Rory wins the Players Championship and the Canadian Open, and we're talking about this like this is some kind of tough season for him. Wow, you know, shouldn't they all be so lucky? Well, the same reason why I hate to say it, I've completely ignored Jordan Spieth was because the volume got turned up on him so loud that I was kind of like, easy guys, we're going to smother this bastard. Whether he does good or bad, and it's not going to be good for him either way. And next thing you know, he's still, you know, kind of, you know, waffling, so to speak. Yeah, I, I do think though that comparing their their mentalities, Jordan has always kind of been a head case that kind of seemed to catch lightning in a bottle for a little while. Rory has moments of being a head case, but it seems like talent wise. There's just a whole quantum leaps worth of talent ahead of Spieth. I mean, he drives the ball farther. He seems to have much more of a killer instinct in general. And there's not as much falling apart mentally when he doesn't do well. Seems like Rory's pretty stoic most of the time about that. Now, granted, not always, but you know, compared to Spieth. And, of course, Kepka, he just seems hardwired to go out there and be right in the hunt when it matters most. And I think that's why people are giving him so much respect right now. Oh, but see, I, 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 I'm one of those people who gives them a ton of respect. I'm totally, this is for the once I'm actually fired up towards the opposition of an opinion on this, and where I just look at, like, hey, people, what's wrong with a guy having the whole give me the ball mentality? Like, I, like, I, like, like, here, we need to score right now. Give me the ball. I got this. We're all going to succeed. I mean, it's just like, it's golf, granted, golf's not a team sport, but that's what Brooks is. I mean, calling him a jock can mean a zillion different things in a zillion different directions, but ultimately... My God, I, I, he's a leader to me. Like, I look at Brooks Kepkes and, like, everyone just, everyone emulate him. And I see it with a lot of kids in their late teens and early 20s I, uh, on the golf course. I see it a ton, whether it's collegiate or amateur or semi-professional or whatever you want to call it or just people on vacation. My God, these kids out there are so good. And their whole mentality is essentially just, like, you can, pure, you can be two fairways over and they see you hit a ball. And you can, Tucker, you can hit the best drive of the year as far as your standards go. And they'll just start laughing right away. Like, even if you hit a 285 down the middle, they just be like, yeah, nice shot. And then they just, like, hike up their pants, go up there and smother one. It's just, like, it's amazing what these kids can do when they, like, really focus. And I think Brooks Kepka is kind of the poster child of that. And, and like I said, I've applied it to my game, and it's great. It feels wonderful just playing good, playing better, 
well, all I've done is just done more mental push-ups as opposed to anything else in my game. Well, and we're American, so anytime an American comes onto the golf scene anymore and makes the kind of splash that Kepka's made, it's got to be good for American golf because we're still talking about Tiger Woods praying that he still does well. And, you know, winning a Masters this year was big for American golf because it was this nostalgia tour for us down Tiger Woods' memory lane. But obviously these other majors, he's showing that he's playing on borrowed time. You know, we're not going to get that many more great years out of Tiger before he's finally physically toast. So Brooks Kepka to me, represents the next generation of dominant American talent that can compete with these Rory McIlroys and these guys from around the rest of the world, which are surely becoming more the norm. It reminds me of tennis. Tennis is all these big guys from other countries and then a couple scrappy Americans trying to get in the mix, unless we're talking about women. But as far as the men's tennis, you know, it's, it's, all, these, it's all these Europeans and Australians and people from Japan and people from all over the world, but it's not American men that are dominant in the sport. And I'd say Brooks Kepka, you know, maybe Dustin Johnson, but again, we're talking majors. Dustin's only got one major and his cop up with three other ones you know I, I, yeah. Kepka's our, our big hope to, to really you know kind of press these these European guys that are that are consistently bringing home the bacon I get that I mean it's, I just like the fact that high tide raises all boats there's just so much talent out there it, 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 it just seems like there's such a chasm right now because it's been so long since Rory's won and guess who hasn't been on the cover of a golf video game even though I haven't made too many Brooks Kepka. I mean, Rory has already established himself as kind of like taking that torch from... Just, just golf trivia real quick, uh, Tucker. Who was the first golfer to be ranked number one in the world uh, after Tiger Woods gave up that spot and never returned? I must say Luke Donald. Am I right? Bingo. And I kind of always hated to be like... I always thought in my head, it's like, there's the guy who takes over that number one spot for, that, for just five minutes or a year or whatever... Is going to be somebody we've never, we're never going to hear from again. I hate to say because it it's just, it's just a position you don't want to be in. So like when Rory essentially grabbed like that, that mantle or that torch from Tiger, and uh, like you saw Rory uh, plaster up on EA Sports uh, for that one golf title, I thought, hey, this is a changing of the guard, so to speak. And uh, it, it just was, it was a little short lived, and us as Americans, especially, we can't really handle that. Like that's why we're still, I, I can't believe Tiger did what he did. And I'm glad he did it because it calmed a lot of people down and it revved a lot of people up. But at the same time, it, it, I really felt like, you know, that cha- some chapters or some books are closed for some people and hopefully not for Rory, so to speak. I mean, like, well, do you sincerely think Tiger's going to win another major, Tucker? I mean, I think he can. I know we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, but I think it's going to be a body of work that covers the next 20 years. I don't think he's going to be in a lot of normal tournaments, and I agree with you. I don't think he's going to do the senior tour, but I do think he's going to keep showing up at these majors, and until his back completely gives out on him entirely, he's going to keep trying to win that 18th and 19th major. So I I do think that he probably will win again. Will it be consistent? No, of course not. I think it'll be kind of like this Masters. He's going to be kind of trying to maybe pick off one every three or four years and hopefully in you know 15 to 20 years from now he can get that last one i mean gosh if tom watson can be in contention at 60 i dare say the big cat can too well speaking of tom watson being contention a couple fellows there with combined uh, 22 major no 23 majors excuse me i forgot tiger's last win let's flip the table over to a man with one major uh sergio garcia and his most recent uh, antics. Uh, so, 
catch everyone up in case they didn't watch this weekend. I I was certainly uh, working a lot, so I didn't watch any golf, but I saw this a bit, got into a couple uh, good conversations on Twitter about it. But uh, the WGC what now was where, Tucker? Okay, it was in Memphis now. They moved from Akron to Memphis. Or no, it wasn't in Akron. I'm sorry. It was in Ohio, though. It used to be at Firestone. Now it's in Memphis for the, for the FedEx St. Jude. So they're on this new course in Memphis. Okay, I feel bad. Let me rewind here for a second. Was the WGC and the, and the FedEx St. Jude the same week? I thought they were Yes, it is. It's the World Golf Championship, and, and we're, we're calling it the oh. FedEx St. Jude. So, it, yeah, it's a long, lengthy title, the WGC FedEx St. Jude Championship. Well, those have always been two very separate entities to me, even though I can foresee them coming together. Like, the FedEx St. Jude was like the John Deere to me, one of those regular tour stops that I always had circled on my calendar. I really, oh, man, I completely, I, even though I saw, like, uh, Brooks Kepka wins or whatever, and I saw this, that, the other, people were wording it only half of it each way and differently than us. Like, so wait, do we have three golf tournaments going on this week here? I mean, what's going on? I think they just joined forces, man. I think they, they, they kind of glommed on to the WGC now. So, yeah, it is one big wordy title, and most people were calling it the WGC event. So I can see why you could get that mixed up. So why was there so little coverage of the Sergio thing? The one video I've seen seems like it was found on, like, some uh, uh, Kazakhstan uh, CCTV feed or something <laughs> like that we managed to get from, like, the Policia uh, last night or well, okay, so what it, we'll, go, we'll, go, we'll go back. Starting at the British Open, at the Open at Portrush, footage came out from a fan of Sergio hitting a wayward drive, and then as he starts to walk down the fairway, he chucks his golf club at his caddy, who also happens to be a relative, but he chucks it at this guy, and I believe it's his brother, and he, he ducks, and this could have seriously hurt this caddy. And that's on video. So that was a couple weeks ago. Does that make it better or worse of its family? Like, as you said, which who was a relative, by the way. I'm just like, well, I don't know if that puts the peg up or down a couple notches. I bet bet we're going to cut him some slack for that because everybody's like, oh, well, I remember throwing a club at my brother when we were out golfing. But but then, then we move forward to this week at the WGC. And he hits another wayward drive and takes his driver and slams it into the turf and takes a huge chunk out of the grass. Now, again, all on its own, that's not that bad. But this is a year where Sergio has been penalized for pulling similar stunts when he was over uh, on the Euro Tour. He put out a big statement saying that he was going to control his anger and not damage greens and damage golf courses anymore. And now it continues and persists. So that's why I believe it's the issue it is. As far as why it didn't turn up more online, I dare say the PGA's got to be trying to scrub all this because it doesn't make them look good to keep enabling this type of behavior. Correct. And as we know, the PGA, uh, what with the Dustin Johnson situation and amongst other players, they are a private organization where they're allowed to give out public information as they please or not please. And, uh, uh, yeah, um, but to, clear, to clarify one thing real quick, just for anyone who hadn't seen it, it, when Tucker said he slammed his driver into the ground and took a chunk out of it, it I would say it was he definitely took a chunk out of the ground, but he kind of like just took a swing again. It wasn't like he was overhanding it or like like giving the super one-headed cast off, as we all know, like you know, like a la Tommy Bolt, just <laughs> just a big helicopter. <laughs> he went to take another swing, and I'm not going to say he didn't mean to hit the ground, but I mean he went to take another swing and took a giant effing divot. I mean, it was it was pretty gnarly. And uh, and that being said, it was intentional by uh, by my accounts or whatever. I sincerely think that 
my God, I don't want to, and you'll never see me get racist, but you'll see me talk about a couple of racial components where I have heard this from a lot of older golfers or whatever, where they said, like, a couple of Spaniard fellas tend to, like, and I hate to say it, you got Ballesteros before Garcia and you have Rom after him, who have hot heads, very emotional. You could call it the temperature, you call it the diet, call it whatever. I, I don't know. It's just that everyone from different places has different proclivities. This seems to be a thing among Spaniards. Too bad we only have a few examples uh, to, to, uh, in front of us. And uh, another one named Lee Trevino, well, he was Mexican, so that's a complete different story right there and an outlier. But that being said, I think Garcia, he really had a couple years leading up to his Masters victory. There was like this big like groundswell of like he's really matured or he's we, we like Sergio now a lot nicer. Maybe he was just on a different medicine or like he was taking tranks or something, I don't know, because then he won the Masters, he got his, we all loved him. And now he's falling apart back to the brat that we knew he was. And part, part of me is just thinking, like, did we all just fool ourselves? Because the guy, much like I say, like Jim Furyk, Dustin Johnson, but like all these guys, the, that's the one major club, for Christ's sake. I mean, whew. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Reed wins a Masters. Nobody gives this guy a pass for his attitude. I don't hear anybody except for Patrick Reed's family saying that it's awesome that he's in the major club now. Everybody bags on Patrick Reed. And, and rightly so. Patrick Reed has had a track record of being a jerk to just about everyone. But Sergio has had a track record for 20 years of being immature, and that's a kind way of saying it, to oh, yeah. everyone, including all the racist remarks he made about Tiger and all the stuff he got into with Tiger, fried chicken jokes and this and that. I mean, this is like a consistent record of being unlikable. And he gets one major, and suddenly the PGA is like, he has grown up. He is father of the year. He's getting married. Yeah. So suddenly he's a good guy. I'm sorry, but just because you get married doesn't mean that you've changed. I mean, believe me, it took another seven years after I got married to grow the hell up. I mean, why does he instantly get a pass for this? I don't understand. Oh, sucker, that was a really great Robert Stack on accident. That's exactly what you sounded like coming over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unsolved mystery, Jerry. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I mean, and also, quick side note, because I want to I wanna hit this point home because I brought it up not because I'm just a person with opinions with no uh, evidence to back it up, but every time there's been international soccer in Spain with, like, some very international countries. I'm talking about from Africa, from Asia. Like, when the Spanish uh, team was hosting the Asian basketball team, they, they, they like, had they, their team photo, they did that thing with the eyes. I mean, that was very, like, that wasn't very uh, cool. And then I, I've heard and seen lots of, anytime there's an African soccer player about to do a corner kick or whatever, the Spanish crowds are throwing bananas at them. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It does seem like there is a kind of a culture of racist heckling that goes on over in Spain. Okay, you can call it old-fashioned. I mean, I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying one could call it old-fashioned, very old world. I'm like, that's fine. I'm just saying that's not appropriate behavior. And I see a big pattern of just inappropriate behavior amongst your folks from your country. And that's about the worst thing I have to say. That's it. I'm not even pointing any fingers. I'm just saying of the of a few crowds I've seen and a few patterns and a few specific individuals or whatever, the picture kind of paints itself, and it's fine. I mean, I, I actually dated a girl from Spain when I was back in the military, and she was delightful. I mean, it's not like, I mean, come on. Well, really, I mean, we should add the addendum. I know lots of wonderful, lovely Spanish folks, 
And I also know that America has a tendency to get racist with the heckling, too. I mean, look at the NBA this year with Russell Westbrook getting into it with jazz fans and being called horrible names. I mean, this is not unique to Spain. But I do think that, you know, to your point, it seems like there's a passionate fire that burns in a lot of these Spanish golfers. And it seems to bubble over into destructive behavior. You know, Rom flips out a lot, but typically that just bubbles out in profanity on live mics or something. You don't usually see Rom taking a chunk out of the ground with him when he gets upset. But Sergio has kind of turned that into his calling card where he stomps on the greens and tears him up or he goes full metal jacket on a bunker or whatever. And all this video pops up online. And so that's why this... You know this kind of attitude persists from the fan base that Sergio is immature and disrespectful to the tour. I mean, gosh, John Rahm is surely as, if not more, popular around the world now than Garcia is. Am I right? I mean, it seems like Rahm has become the new it guy, and he doesn't even have a major. Oh well, I think Rahm is uh, like by all means everything that is uh, and can be trending, and by definition of the word, it's. Uh He's like 23, 24. He is getting a little bit better, and his tantrums are merely verbal or whatever. And and, with, and when that happens, the only damage it does is to himself. And I, and I mean, he'll realize it one way or another. I think every golfer realizes that at a certain age, just whatever it, it hits that level on your pole or whatever. But that being said, uh, it's just, I, I'm not. I don't even want to suggest that Sergio got his major, and now he. That means he's got carte blanche to act this way. It's just I don't know. I mean. Seve had a lot of, we, we call it swagger, but I mean, I know a lot of people that really dislike the guy to the bone. They're like, I don't care what kind of golf shots he hit, I mean, or what he won. I think there's a lot of Americans, both casual fans, all the way to professional golfers, who dislike that man highly. And I don't want to, it's the point where it's like, I don't even want to ask him why. I'm just like, okay, okay, new, new subject, oh, jeez. Well, it's that Ryder Cup stuff. You know, people take that more seriously than just about anything. And, and I'll give it up. Ryder Cup is specifically about character and representing one's nation or one's, you know, country. And I think that Seve had a rep for being really cantankerous, especially with American players and fans during Ryder Cup. And I think that for Americans, it's hard to let go of that, even though if it were one of our guys doing it, we'd say, well, that's just passion. But when it's somebody doing it towards us, it's harder for us to kind of take it in stride and, and realize that that's just the fire burning in Seve that makes him want to fight for every last bit of respect and every last bit of points he can get in those situations. But I get why people don't like him, and I think Ryder Cup is 75% of that. Well, that's, that's a very good, uh, very good thing to bring up because in terms of when I came online to watch golf as a human being personally, I missed a lot of those Ryder Cups and all those reasons. And you're also talking to a guy who on my golf Mount Rushmore, Seve uh, is firmly firmly is gone up there. Um, and one last thing on the Sergio thing before we move on to a couple other stuff, and if you want to mention anything else, feel free, but uh, part of me is starting to think also, I mean, granted we live in the social media day and age, the 21st century, everyone has a pic- uh, camera in their pocket and then and, and that connects with social media. This isn't about communication or phones, folks. It's about showing off and being connected to showing off. Uh, I, I'm starting to wonder, it's like, is this based off of what I said where like we've seen the one video of uh, hit the caddy getting the club thrown at and we've seen the one angle of him taking this divot well, I feel like there's like everyone if you're we need to go watch Sergio in tournaments and everyone whip out your fucking phone because I feel like we've this has been going on a lot this is the guy who tore apart the bunker this is the guy who spit in the cup years ago 
I mean, this, this guy might be doing this all the time, and we need to get, if we want a ban to be instituted or whatever, we got to catch all this shit, because if it's only a few hundred people, a few hundred eyewitnesses at a time or whatever, and, and when people are watching, we have so much respect and reverence for these guys, we're not going to turn them in or whatever. It's, we have to have our inner Tom Watson come out. We have to call things in. I mean... That's what we got to do. Well, and then I, I got to make this point because I was thinking about it before we went on air, knowing we were going to talk about this, Jerry. The St. Louis Blues, I'm from St. Louis before I lived in L.A. They just finally won their Stanley Cup. And for all my friends and family in St. Louis, congratulations. It has been a long, winding road to get to this point. But listen to those guys when they're handing the, the Stanley Cup to them, all of them dropping F-bombs left and right. So much so that I just read a piece in Deadspin that they got more complaints to the FCC about all the latent profanity at that victory ceremony from people that were watching it than any other sporting event this year. If it's football, we know these guys are foul-mouthed. If it's you know baseball, we see these guys get into huge shouting matches where they're obviously peppering the umpires with profanity. Yet when our golfers get even the least bit out of sorts, they need to be suspended. How dare they disrespect this gorgeous game? I mean, and granted, at its principle, at its soul, at, at the heart of the rules, everyone should be a gentleman. However, it's like the, the, the rule versus the relative standard that's upheld. Most of us fall apart in a round of golf. Most of us throw our clubs or curse or get frustrated or quit on ourselves from time to time. It's rare that people are stoic enough that they can really be at their best at all times, but it's this standard we're trying to live up to. I think Sergio has had a 20-year window, though, in which to uphold these standards, and he's doing it professionally as a role model on television. And we're not just talking about foul language like John Rahm. We're talking about racist remarks, spitting, throwing clubs, etc. Overall bad behavior. I think Sergio's in his own weight class of unlikable here. But I do think that we have to keep it in perspective when, you know, if it's a pro fighter, we don't care if they say awful things. Look at Conor McGregor. We all laugh and applaud every time he says something racist. I mean, I think, you know, we, we got to keep it in perspective there, too. I hear that, and I agree 100%. I mean, one thing that just made me just realize also, and then we'll wrap up all this uh, crummy Sergio talk, it's, it's like the Kuchar talk. It's mostly negative. We get it. We all agree mostly. I, I, but I don't like to keep going on and on about it because, I mean, just, I, there's so much other good stuff to talk about too. But uh, with Sergio, I mean, God, I don't know. I literally just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think the hardest part for me is that I just don't like Sergio. I mean, like the same way people talk about Kepka, but I don't like Sergio because I always felt like he was a jerk. I am a Tiger fan, and there's obviously a rivalry there. And I think that it's hard to keep respecting a guy that has so many chokes on his record. I mean, gosh, talk about a guy that's been right there to close so many times, and he finds all these ways to choke. And granted, you know, I guess my heart could go out to him for that, but he's not a fowler or somebody where when they choke, you, you, you honestly feel bad for them because they seem like a decent human being. Sergio seems like a jerk who chokes because he just plays that jerk card one too many times and he's too up in his head. And granted, I guess the Masters kind of rewrote that story a little bit because he finally got it done at a big one, but I dare say that's, that's, the, that's the trick right there. Hey, uh, I don't. I don't know if you heard 
important on your end, but uh, near the end of your last sentence, I heard a big a big beep that almost sounded like the national broadcast uh, emergency system, but it wasn't. Uh, That's right. It's an amber alert. They they've put out an amber alert on Sergio's integrity. If you see it, could you please call the national hotline for integral recovery? No, that's the that's that call waiting, Jerry. You know, I, I get I got I'm so popular. I got people just lining up to call me for these from the back tees podcast, man. Well, to be fair on Sergio, and the more I think about it, and this is the thing I forgot I was going to say. Uh, when it comes to anyone talking about their favorite golfers throughout the past 18 years or of all time or whatever, everyone I've talked to, or even myself, when opinions have uh, changed in my head, no one's ever said Sergio is one of their favorite golfers. Need I say more? I mean, for any reason whatsoever. So, moving on to something I wanted to get in real quick before we get into our picks for the Wyndham and uh, something else I wanted to ask you just to kind of spring on you. Um, this, we were going to talk about this last week. Uh, we didn't get to, but uh, CBD and, uh, as we've seen, uh, Tiger and Phil chopping on gum, whatever the gum was made of, whether it was spearmint or CBD, uh, who kn- whom knows. We did see uh, uh, Phil hitting off the turkey baster, which, uh, you know, props to him. I've done that before. It's uh, kind of nice. But I really – do you, do you have any opinion on this, really? I just become like – I hate to say it, there are some topics out there, I swear to God, where when they come up, I guess my opinion is I don't give a shit. And I, this is one where it's just like, oh, yeah, well, they, they would let them smoke the cigarettes more and, like, dip more and probably have beers if the cameras weren't all up in their faces all the goddamn time. It's golf, the way we get to enjoy it. I mean – that's why I love going to my new private club. Oh, I'm sorry, by private club, I mean that I'm a new member at. And here I am now in my 30s, and I'm just like, oh, last time I was here at 18. Now I can smoke, I can drink, I get a cart. This is fun. Golf is actually a lot of fun when you get to stretch out a little bit. It's a sport. It's a game. Come on. I mean, what say you about CBD and golf? Yeah, it's interesting because I'm watching the Open, and Darren Clark is the honorary first person off the tee at the open this year and what is it two holes in and they catch him taking a drag off a ciggy on the cameras and you can see that they obviously didn't want to catch that and they cut away real quick and i think you know darren clark smokes ciggies on the course brooks kepka always has this huge chunk of dip chaw in his lip all the time spitting you see him spitting dip out when he's on the course Crane, a lot of other guys do that. I mean, right, you know, and and like we know, it's not like it's unheralded that these guys are partying when they're not on the course. Again, they write articles like Eddie Pepperill gets hammered the night before the final round of the Open two years ago and shoots an amazing score. Isn't that awesome? I mean, they have no problem with the fact that these guys binge drink, but somehow marijuana still has this stigma on it that is different than the rest of these drugs. And now we're talking about CBD versus THC. So again, we have to keep saying this because I think a lot of people still assume that CBD is the type of marijuana-based product that gets one stoned or high. And obviously it doesn't. I've looked into it. It it has medicinal value similar to probably a a light painkiller or a sleeping aid. Like an aspirin. Right, or a sleeping aid. It, uh, from what I've read, it helps with pain relief in achy joints. It helps people sleep if they have insomnia. And it can also help people with seizures and autism. And it's especially been proved oh, yeah. effective with autistic children. They just put droppers of this stuff in their food, and it helps calm them down, 
focus them, and also can alleviate seizures. So again, if this were a, a pill, I don't see anybody on the PGA or anywhere having a major issue with this unless you're just anti-medicine all the way. You know, this is... this well, is, I don't know. Right? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, but that's what I'm getting at is if we're just classifying CBD as medicine, which they're still desperately trying to brand it as, even though it is, I don't think anybody has an issue. But I think people still hear CBD and they think... Stoners, Cheech and Chong, half-baked with Dave Chappelle. They still think this is like getting stoned on the golf course or something. And I think we, we need to start by distinguishing that. Right, Jerry? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and you and I have mentioned uh, our history of personal usage when it comes to THC and whatnot. I can, I can say I've lived in several different states at several different parts of the century with several different rules, and I've been a federal employee during some and not a, and a civilian during others. And ultimately... What gets me is, like, I feel like there's, like, this little sense of, like, anarchy in media where would this come up whatsoever if we didn't see them chewing gum and a couple people mention that, like, hey, CBD is now in gum form or whatever? Because ultimately, it's, uh, it, it has very regenerative qualities, too. When I say it's like an aspirin, I joke, but I, because I have to tell people all the time, half the people I freaking caddy for when they come to Oregon, they see dispensaries everywhere, and they're just like, all right, so what's the deal with the weed? And I look at them like, all right, well, you know about alcohol? Like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I have to be 21. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it in public or drive. Yeah, it's the same damn thing, asshole. Weed is beer. Beer is weed. If you look at it like that, it's, it's just, I hate to say it, like part of it's almost about like marketing and branding to me, so to speak. Like what uh, serves their best interest in terms of like who's uh, in their pockets or their coffers right now. I mean, that's why you started off by saying we got to kill the stigma. That's the most important thing because there's 99 ways to take it. And just because a couple guys are chewing the gum, and yeah, we definitely saw Mickelson hitting off the little uh, pipette thing, like, whoop, whoop, back there on, like, uh, 13P where the cameras weren't. I mean, hell, I, I'll tell you some stories off there about where uh, some fun places I've hit that thing before. But ultimately, it, 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 I think the stigma lies with golf is still very conservative-oriented and buttoned-down and very uh, old-fashioned and... I, I'm a fan of progression. Some things are going to progress slowly. Some things are going to progress fast. But ultimately, this is something where it's like, well, who's to say they aren't taking that stupid-ass, uh, whatchamacallit, like a, a CBD pill before the round or during the round? I mean, they could choose to do that. I think speculation has gotten out of control, and it grabbed the wheel of a conversation that was really sitting parked with its engine off that really probably wasn't going to get serviced or addressed ever. And now it's become a thing, like, not to say, like, you and I are wasting time talking about it. We're not. I mean, this is... I'd like to say, let's air this egg out, fry it, flip it over, fry it again, and serve it up as the truth omelet that it is. It's really just, I mean, it's kind of nice. Like, my, my girlfriend, who is completely anti-THC in every single regard because she has big asthma, but she also admits she's like, she just doesn't want to, one of those, like, why poison your body, period, and I agree with that. But she also asks me sometimes when I go to the dispensary, hey, can you go get me that CBD lotion that I get sometimes? Like, hell yeah, I'll go get it. I mean, it's, it's got redeeming qualities to it it's just it's the stigma like you said period i mean that's that could all be boiled down to that one word that's it well and and i go back to the the pga angle they just ran a big piece in espn about it and part of the piece is talking about how now golfers especially those on the senior tour are not only swearing by cbd as a therapeutic value but they're investing in it and wanting to have it represented more openly on the tour. 
And companies that manufacture CBD products want to put their patches on players and have them out there on television. And now this new debate has come up with the PGA about whether or not this is appropriate or not. I think the big thing is the PGA, they said in this ESPN piece, is more worried about people popping on drug tests for marijuana because CBD, unless it is absolutely pure, still has trace amounts of marijuana in it, which they cannot distinguish between that and the THC, and THC is still a banned substance. And we can debate whether that's okay or not, but it is. So they're saying if you use it, you must make sure it's pure, and that requires really knowing what's in the products that you're consuming and not just trusting people when they say, oh, no, 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 we got it. It's pure because they keep finding out through testing these products that not all of them are as pure as each other. But Scott McCarron, who's the the biggest money earner on the senior tour, came out in this article and said, I've not only started using it, but it's healing much of my pain that I deal with in my body. I used to be an insomniac. Now I'm sleeping eight hours solid a night and I'm getting real sleep. And I believe this is a miracle drug. That obviously is compelling to the PGA. And then, of course, we mentioned Tiger and Phil being caught on camera chewing CBD gum at these majors. Tiger was chomping on all through the Masters. And Bubba Watson is now investing in CBD companies and trying to put his name on products. And then, you know, all that, plus, of course, Robert Garrigus, the not-as-well-known tour pro, getting suspended for popping for THC on a drug test and then coming out and saying, I take this because I have pain. And this is a medicinal value to me. I don't do it so I'm just out there smoking dubs with my buddies. I'm doing this for pain that I have in my body. And it's legal in the state that I live in, in Washington. Why should I have to be subject to these draconian values about THC as well? So I think there's kind of multiple debates going on here. But I think you're right. It's still this sense of I think people equate marijuana with hippies and the Grateful Dead and the counterculture and bums and all of this type of stuff and more and more we're seeing over the last decade jerry not just in oregon but all across the country and the world that it's becoming considered medicine and i think this will probably take another 10 years before people consistently look at it as medicine and not just as recreational drugs but, you know, I mean, there are plenty of people that don't think beer is cool either. So, I mean, we have to keep remembering that, that, you know, conservative thought is alcohol is bad for you. So marijuana is too. Any drug is bad for you, especially in excess. And we don't want to promote that. But if it's medicine and it, more than that, it's medicine that's been proven to be way less detrimental physically and psychologically than opioid pills. I do think that there needs to be a little bit of wiggle room for us to debate this on that level. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's alcohol, it, there's two types of people in the world with alcohol, those who drink and those who don't. They don't, like, make alcohol legal. We did for a few years, and guess what? It didn't freaking work out. That's why America switched back. I asked English people, uh, Canadian people, all sorts of people I caddy for, I'm like, hey, have you ever had a prohibition in your country? And they kind of chuckle and go, no. I'm like, that's what I thought. But ultimately, like, I get what, how they say, like, there's no consistency in these products in terms of trace amounts, whatever. But I, I, I dare tell any of these... Uh, <clears throat> these big heads or whatever, go into a dispensary and look at the products. I mean, they, they have the numbers written on there as best as can, like, be measured and granted. It, it, it might not, they could all be different. There might be trace amounts or whatever. But still, in terms, of, in, as, in terms of being a consumer, that's all we have to go on just as much as our freaking groceries and how many calories are in what. I mean, it's just based off of what they tell us. There's no way for us to literally 
figure it out or scientifically figure out unless we go to a medical specialist or a scientist or something. So it, I hate to say it, we as consumers trust that shit all the time with gasoline, with anything that's considered consumable that we need for fuel or otherwise. I mean, it's ridiculous. That being said, I have noticed since about February, my liquor store has been carrying uh, cannabinoid CBD smokeless pouches, and the lemon ones taste like uh, Fruit Loops. And I'll admit, I pop them in when I golf, and uh, I've, I've really noticed I've golfed, I don't want to say better, but I mean, I've been a lot more even feel just in terms of it's like if I make a mistake, I don't really notice, or I make fewer mistakes, I don't know, but uh, I mean, there's something to be said about that. I guess that's where my final piece of this debate comes in, Jerry, and I think this is the food for thought. I don't even know if there's an answer today. But in golf, the words performance-enhancing drug means that it gives you some discernible edge on someone not using the drug. Tiger Woods was chomping on CBD gum all through the Masters, and he had lots of very cold-blooded putts that he made. Now, we all know the nerves really kick in when you're putting. And at 42 or 43 or however old he was this year, the nerves kick in even more. Did the CBD gum give him any type of edge nerve-wise? Did it calm him down, which is one of the supposed effects of CBD? Did it calm his nerve? And if so, is that a performance-enhancing edge that he received? I don't even know the answer to it, but that's definitely a question I think needs to be considered. Sure, and see, I look at it like maybe. Who's to say it's not good for him if it did? Uh, who? I mean, yeah, we could we could vamp about that for a while in like in all earnestness. But I just look at it like maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to describe my attitude when it comes to these things. Where I just shrug and go, "Hey, maybe that'd be cool." What's for dinner? You're like I'm just like I move on. I'm just kind of like, eh, you know what? That might be something. But I, and I get how some people care a lot more about that. But I just look at it like I'm a big believer in science, and if it's immeasurable then I tend to dismiss it, where it's just like, well, look, it's time-sensitive, we missed it, or, oh, we didn't catch it at the time, or, like, all these baseball players who might have been juiced back in the day and we can't measure it. I look, I shrug and go, we missed it, who's to say? We don't know. I mean, just moving along, we we can tear our hair out about this, or we can embrace it, or we can forget about it. Those are really, and I don't like the, the first option out of those three. I mean... Yeah, I agree. I think, if anything, the best answer would be just tell all the pros they're all welcome to use CBD and go get them then there is no advantage because everybody has the same right to use it or not depending on whether they feel that it's appropriate for them and take it from a fairly regular thc smoker and myself where i uh i imbibe daily but uh i've at least got i i'll i'll be the first to admit tucker i was probably like on a peter kessler level of uh fumarte so to speak hey <laughs> Uh, no, man, it was like, I mean, I was a waking baker, but then I stopped doing that on good advice because I heard you shouldn't smoke within like 30 or 45 minutes of waking up. I'm like, that just sounds like good, healthy advice. But it's to the point now where I like probably take a couple hits of uh, wax resin throughout the day. And that's about it. Like, you know, just like whenever I'm sitting at home feeling like, hey, I'm going to read a book or I'm going to, you know, make some food or just hang out or something. I mean, that's it's pretty much uh, how I've scaled back. But I say that to say this in that, there is a huge difference between THC and CBD and what, how you, what it does to you. I can't vouch for it makes you probably feel the same way, but obviously the psychotropic reactions are, there is a stark, stark, stark difference. I know you used to buy back in the day. I don't have to tell you if you've ever uh, participated in CBD to know there is no, like, like I said, that's like an aspirin. An aspirin doesn't make you like feel flighty or it just makes you feel improved. I mean, God forbid. You're also talking to a big advocate of HG freaking H, though. I am 
completely on one side of the picket line saying this should be a thing that we do all the time for everybody. Yeah, I you know, human growth hormone is a whole nother debate. And I, I, I agree with you that if they're not athletes, people are surely open to this as a form of healing from injury. Oh, my gosh. But yet somehow the athlete gets shamed for that because they want to heal up from an injury to come back. And I think that's a little different than taking steroids to, you know, get your muscles to, you know, the yeah. biggest level possible. Well, notice, notice I said I am a big fan of HGH. I am not a big fan of PEDs. I'm not a big fan of steroids. I, I, I could actually nix those things big time. I'm not a big fan of testosterone enhancers. Human growth hormone or very natural holistic things or whatever, I am 100% for. I mean, I know there are a lot of holistic bullshits out there and a lot of holistic things that are on the ban list, but I mean, a guy, like, like, yeah, like you said, that's another debate for another time. HGH is a, is a wonder. It's amazing. You know, and, and I, I will say, just to put my own thoughts out there, I was a user for many, many years with marijuana, and I've been officially off of it for a year or more now. And I'm not preaching whether people should abstain or not. As far as drugs go, I don't think it's the most detrimental, but it got to be excessive for me, and I realized that I needed to stop. And I think that anything in excess, whether it be a drug or food or exercise, anything can become injurious if used inappropriately. But I do think that as far as stigmatizing marijuana use while laughing and patting people on the back for drinking whiskey shots and beers after a golf round is a bit hypocritical. Oh, yes. I, I, uh, my last piece on this before we uh, turn the car over is uh, I, in high school I remember writing uh, like some semi-award-winning paper on uh, it was like pro-marijuana, anti-tobacco, alcohol, just in terms of like all the detrimental and painful things that could happen or whatever, and I didn't even smoke pot. Like, I, I can firmly say I didn't become a daily pot smoker until I was about 24, 25 years old. It was right when I got out of the military. Like, literally that day, July 2nd, 2009, I, uh, I, I didn't make it a point, but I started smoking weed then. I enjoyed the shit out of it, and I started doing it pretty much every day for the next eight years after that in one way, shape, or form. And, and now, because things have gotten so potent and so strong, like I said, unless I'm going to sit at home for eight hours just play video games on one lucky month, day of the month I get to do that, I really don't ingest or partake that much anymore. It's just something that, it's, it's like, it'd be like chocolate cake. I mean, our asses would get fat. So. That's it, man. You know, but they don't ban chocolate cake on the tour, so I guess that's kind of the, the final point that we're making here, right? Absolutely. So speaking of the tour, we got the uh, Wyndham, what's it called here, the Wyndham Championship. The FedEx St. Jude WGC Wyndham Championship. <laughs> We're just, you know, it's going to be like a, like a, a terrible marriage where uh, one after another where we just keep hyphenating it over and over. <laughs> so, okay, who you got, Jerry? I know you always got all the stats lined up. Who's going to win this thing? Who are your top three picks for the Wyndham? Uh, my top three, personally, uh, I, I mean, I hate to say it, I really, in terms of who's going to stand out in the field performance-wise, Hideki and Paul Casey are, they're going to, they, that either one of those guys could win the tournament piece of cake. And then, I, but for me personally, I like Victor Hovland, and before he won, Colin Morikawa has stolen my heart the past month and a half. Like, this guy is some shit. I love Colin Morikawa, but especially coming off his victory, he's only 12-1. to I still like him. Victor Hovland, 22-1. to My long shot, I like Rory Sabatini at 50-1 to because my machine hasn't taken top eight this week. What do you like? 
Well, I think it's never bad to pick the the former champ, especially when it's been a year since he's really closed, and that's Brant Snedeker. I think he's a decent pick. Webb Simpson had a great week last week at the WGC, almost winning, posting the clubhouse lead score before Brooks finally put it away. So I think Webb Simpson is suited well to this kind of golf course and is trending towards another win, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him win it. I, I think Jordan Spieth, I, you know, I keep throwing his name out all year, but Spieth is due for a breakthrough win. This course is surely conquerable for him. I could see Spieth finally breaking through. Lucas Glover, that's another name nobody ever talks about, but Lucas has had a pretty good year, man. He's been in the mix in a lot of these tournaments, and I would not be that surprised if Lucas Glover broke through this week. I feel like he's my long shot if I'm going to pick one. And um, I don't know if I'm going to throw one more name in the mix. I'll say maybe Billy Horschel, another one that's kind of been a while since he's closed, but he's surely been sniffing around closing a lot in the last year or so. Wouldn't be that shocked on a course like this if Billy Horschel finally got one again. I like that. I like those picks. Those are pretty solid. Luke Glover. I'm glad you said him at 33 to one. I got him just creeping into the top 10 finish of the tournament. And by that I mean, whenever folks, when I say that at home, I'm not saying I have one through 10 projected in terms of who's going to finish in the tournament. I'm just saying when it comes to who's playing the best and via vis-a-vis odds and everything like that, I have Lucas Glover being the 10th best golfer in the field to win the tournament. Uh, that being said, I had Rory Sabatini at 50 to one. He's eighth best. I got. I, I, I want to kind of have a little wager with you right now, Tucker. I don't know how to uh, figure it out, but uh, you like Snedeker, and my my data has him finishing 28th in the tournament. Uh, and I tell you what, I like Kevin Streelman at 70 to one, just in terms of a random long shot sitting in my top 10. Uh, we want to. How, how do we work this? Little, like uh, I say, Streelman does better than Snedeker. Uh, you want to do something about this? I could I could put ten bucks on that. I'm not much of a betting man, but I got a ten spot on that. I'll, I'll Venmo you a ten spot. I think that's a well, decent decent race right there. Well, hold on. Let, first and foremost, I want to discuss format. I mean, uh, uh, what, what the stakes could be could be uh, monetary. They could be something fun. They could be something humiliating. We can decide that later. Okay, no money then. Let's just go to uh, some sort of embarrassing Twitter video that needs to be posted. And you guys can follow us on Twitter this week. I'm at Tuckerdale Booth. You're at Jerry Lou Looper. What's your your address on Twitter, Jerry? It's Jerry Lou Looper and then the number one because I didn't see, like it said, like create account. I said, okay. And then it didn't say that Jerry Lou Looper was taken. I just said, okay, again. So I guess there's another Jerry Lou Looper out there, but... uh, but we'll, we'll put that on hold. Like, what I want for the website is I want us to have a big board, like a digital board that has, like, all our personal bets up there, like crazy long shot things for the season. Like, I saw uh, some ESPN guys do it for fantasy baseball a long time ago. Like, they would just do, like, oh, I see so-and-so's going to get more home runs. I see so-and-so. And it was, like, a guy who's going to hit 10 versus a guy who's going to hit 12. Like, then these guys are saying, like, no, 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 all year, fuck it, we're going to do it. You know, I mean. I got another one for you, too. You said Paul Casey, or you did say Paul Casey, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I got Paul Casey. Uh, either I got Hideki winning it or Paul Casey. Okay, so here's the other one. Paul Casey versus Patrick Reed, another guy nobody loves to pick but surely has been sniffing around closing and is suited to this type of course. How about who gets it between Casey and Reed? Obviously, you're saying, Casey, I'll pick Patrick Reed, and we'll see which one comes out on top. Follow us on Twitter, kids, and you can find out what embarrassing stuff we'll have to do if – Patrick Reed gets toppled by Casey, or if Snedeker goes down as well. Freelman. 
to Streelman. If Snedeker drops to Streelman, these are our these are our games within a game right here. Well, this is easy. So you just want to do who finishes better? I mean, uh, uh, that that seems pretty simple to me, unless we get creative beyond. Yeah, let's just do whoever gets the best the best total score. Whoever has the best placement in the tournament. Perfect. I like it. Let me write down your read right here because I do this the old-fashioned way. Boom, boom. Cool. Right, right on, man. I got to say out of all of them, though, I really think that uh, Webb Simpson's probably going to win this. That's just my gut instinct. I feel like Webb is one of these yeah, guys that's always right in the mix. It's been a minute since he's won, and I feel like after last week, he's on a hot streak. He's got a great attitude. I'm picking Webb to win. You, you know what? We've damn near covered how my machine pumped out the top ten here because I'll just say it for everyone. The top ten goes, uh, as per my projections, Hideki, Casey, Hovland, Simpson, Morikawa, Kokrak, Strillman, Sabatini, Revy, Glover. We talked about everyone on that list but Revy. Way to cover the list there, buddy. That was some uh, good work. Well, and I'd love to see Victor Hovland break through. He's a lot of fun, so I, I will give it up. I, I, I would definitely be pulling for Hovland. He's a fun guy, great rookie. Would not be surprised at all to see him break through either. But somehow my gut tells me Simpson, man. Well, I mean, you got Morikawa and you got Wolf that's already won. I mean, it, it's Hovland's time. I mean, that's why I'm looking at this list going, geez, I, I got to somehow like sit down and watch some golf. This is going to actually be a lot of fun. You bet, and you're going to have to do a lot of watching for me because we're going to be mostly off the grid this weekend in Lake Powell. So I'll be following along with the faint reception that I get on my phone. But definitely uh, everybody tune in for the golf this weekend. The, the great subplot, in case you don't know, this is the last chance for these guys to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. So even if they don't win, they're trying to get inside the top 125, and obviously winner gets right into the mix of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And then the playoffs begin, man. This is, this is the exciting subplot every year to the Wyndham Championship. Final chance to punch your ticket to the playoffs. It is a lot of fun. I, I, do, I, I was about to get bummed out because we didn't have any more majors, but I forgot it's, uh, it's a good time to spin up the interest again for the uh, FedEx Championship. So we're about to touch an hour, Tucker. Before we go, I just had uh, one last question for you before we give our plugs. Uh, any PK news? Any what? And I'm sorry, repeat that, Jerry? Any Peter Kessler news? A <laughs> little bit. I, I don't want to get too, too into it because I've promised to be somewhat discreet about it, but Peter Kessler is not too pleased with the fact that I'm now working for Executive Global Tours, and i got to give EGT some love. Thank you, guys. Executive Global Tours, which you can follow online, www.egttours.com. That's Executive Global Tours, www.egttours.com. They're on Twitter at exec underscore tours on Twitter. That's excellent. Check them out. I'm definitely excited to be the new West Coast sales representative for them. We've got tours going all over the world, and all of them involve pro athletes, many of them former greats, including Super Bowl champs, Cy Young winners, soccer legends, golf legends, hockey people, all kinds of people. And it's so exciting because we're setting up tours where people can go visit all of these different wonderful countries, many of them in Europe. We've got spots in New Zealand. We've got spots in the Caribbean. We've got spots in India, all around the world. And you get to golf with these sports legends, dine with them, 
hang out with them, hear them speak. And I'm getting to speak to these guys on the phone, Jerry. I'm actually getting to talk with them on the phone already. And it's just such a thrill for a sports fan like myself to get this opportunity. So I'm the new West Coast sales representative for EGT, Executive Global Tours. Please check us out, egttours.com. Peter Kessler is not thrilled about it, but sorry, Pete. I have to say, no matter what, I'm grateful to you because in a backward way, you are the reason why I got this job. Thank you, Peter. Absolutely. And uh, you can find me still catting at Bandon Dunes. And after this, I'm going to go weed eat my acre of lawn. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but also, uh, real quick, uh, for Exec Golf Tours, uh, shout out to our boy, Ron Mintz. I, 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 I feel like we can call him our boy. I uh, love that guy. And uh, I want to give a quick uh, shout out to our team at FromTheBackTees.com. Zach is still on holiday. Um, we got uh, Denunzio doing our, uh, sorry, Den- Den- I call him Denunzio. I love it. De- uh, Denunzio doing our fantasy picks. We got John doing the LPGA. Nolan, our Tiger Rider. Mark uh, is working behind the scenes. And uh, we got Blue Horseshoe. He's, he's all, people need to subscribe to, uh, to a Better and Better, I think it's Better and Better 1. Uh, on Twitter because he uh, he does rugby he does a lot of horse racing does a lot of great stuff especially if you're into uh, international uh, gambling and affairs like that and uh, God I know I'm, I know I'm forgetting somebody no Tucker you're here I'm just, Tucker's here so uh, I think we got the whole gang man oh Nolan don't forget Nolan the Nolan Nolan yes Tiger Rider extraordinaire uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep him on retainer that's for sure <laughs> but uh, other than that like uh, like Tucker said you can find me on Twitter at Jerry Lou Looper number one, just the number one, and uh, at uh, com. that's the website, Tucker. Yeah, a couple quick shout-outs. Definitely, if you haven't already, please read my piece, Breaking Bad with Peter Kessler. That's what we're talking about on here. It's been getting so much great love online, and I feel like I don't want to keep riding on the laurels of this piece, but it's still got more gas in it. So definitely go to FromTheBackTees.com, or you can Google Breaking Bad with Peter Kessler by Tucker Booth and read the shocking story of what happened when I tried to interview a diabolical golf genius by the name of Peter Kessler. Also got to give love to my record uh, label. What's that? He's definitely chaotic evil. (laughs) (laughs) No comment anymore. (laughs) I got to give love to my record label, Tantrum Niche Records. Tantrum, N-I-C-H-E dot com online. My albums are on there. Lots of great music by my friends and label mates is on there. All of it is free. Every single album on tantrumniche.com is free. That's tantrum, N-I-C-H-E dot com. And a couple quick shout outs for my online friends. Rory Mitchell from the Mitchell Report out of Canada. Definitely go check out the Mitchell Report. You can run that hashtag into Twitter, Instagram, etc. The Mitchell Report. Unleashed is an amazing podcast. I got to give love to the Rude Dog Show, my buddy Rudy Reyes. You can find him at therudedogshow.com and also on Twitter under Rude Dog Reyes. FlorenceCarmela.com. That's C A R M E L A. FlorenceCarmela.com. Thank you for all of the exposure you've given me. And everybody else out there that's stumping, really appreciate it. Like I said, check out www.egttours.com. Definitely lots of great stuff on there. Hey, Jerry, man, good show today. Thank you, bud. One last, uh, yeah, absolutely. One last shout-out. I almost forgot. He's like the Yoda to us now here, uh, Mike Whelan. Oh, that's right. And he wants me to tell you it's Whelan, not Whelan. We got to say Whelan. It's like Whelan on the ball. That's, that's going to be my new, uh, my new segment for him when I do my own podcast. It's going to be Whelan on the ball. 
You like it? Fair enough. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass the blame ball off to Zach on that one, <laughs> even though I know for a fact I've heard you say Waylon. So shame on you, Zach. Shame, shame. No wheeling and dealing on Waylon. Good have a good gone, Zach. I hope the office isn't on fire. Yeah, no doubt. Um, obviously, tune in next week, you guys. Zach and Jerry will be back in the captain's chairs. I've had a lot of fun hanging out. No Kenny Loggins at all this week. We're going to fade out on some traffic because that's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? It's all traffic in this world. Peace out, Jerry. Go watch some golf, kids. Chew some CBD gum.